10-5 touchdown, Arkansas State. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Amir, coast to coast, lays it home with the right hand, and he's fouled. Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you once again to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo for episode four of this podcast. And Getting close to hitting the over. <laughs> what was what was the over? <laughs> I don't think... I think how long we would continue to do this um i don't know we'll call it three six and a half half. we'll go six and a half because i think maybe people thought we'd get to the first game so well we're we're still going strong and we appreciate everybody continuing to tune in and more and more of you are doing that each and every week but uh, a lot to talk about and you know football being the main thing right now the main topic of discussion around Arkansas State Athletics even though there's plenty of other stuff starting to kind of go along uh, in the world of A-State sports and we'll get to that Mm -hmm. as we go along today but the second scrimmage of preseason camp happened over the weekend and some interesting things to kind of take out of that we saw it like the one last week uh a few more folks at this time because uh, the 1,200 club members got a chance to take in this scrimmage uh, from the deck outside Coach Jones's office. So they were there watching. They had a reception and food and uh, whatnot. So uh, they got a chance to see it. Uh, we got a chance to see it. And as you said, yeah, some stuff going on. Um, look, it's always this conversation's always going to start about the quarterbacks. Right. I mean, it's just sure. that's the nature of the game. Um, and so I'm going to kind of flip the script. I'm going to put you in the, the hot seat a little bit because you've seen more of the practices than I have, but just from a scheduling standpoint, it, was it fair to say going into Saturday that you saw maybe a shift that would lead you to believe that James Blackman maybe had the lead in the quarterback race? You know, just watching the practices of late, I, I think that. You see maybe a few more snaps with him, but then you look at the scrimmage over the weekend and, you know, they were splitting time, both he and Lane Hatcher at the quarterback position when it comes to running with the ones, as we say. So not only that, but I think Lane threw what, four touchdowns in the scrimmage? Yeah, I think, Lane, so. Lane looked great. And, you know, Blackman continues to do some good things and. You know, I think we're kind of in a similar spot to what we were a year ago, where we have two quarterbacks that are playing at a high level that you can tell their teammates have a lot of confidence in. And you see the appeal with both guys. We know what Lane Hatcher brings to the table, but James Blackman clearly has some abilities that, uh, that he brings to the table as well, and I've been impressed with what I've seen from him yeah. so far. Well, here's what you're not headed toward, uh, a, a split like we saw a year ago. And look, let's let's just address this one more time and kind of kill and then put that thing to bed forever. Nobody in that building, from the head coach to the OC on down, anticipated that quarterback thing going the way it went a year ago. 
Because here's the thing. You look at what's going on this time of year ago in, in the week-to-week nature of who's going to play and who's not. What were the odds that you'd go into that year with those two guys, Lane Hatcher Logan Bonner? One of them was either going to outplay the other. One of them was going to get banged up and have to miss some time. Or one of them was getting COVID and getting quarantined. What are the chances none of those three things are going to happen over the course of the season? Well, I think the thought of the coaching staff at that point was the, the chances were very, very slim. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There was, that 1,000% was a thing that was going to take care of itself, and then it just didn't, and neither guy would kind of blink in terms of neither guy gave him a reason to take him off the field. And when you look at the individual numbers, you saw both guys be very productive, but just having that one voice mm-hmm. from that position there's a lot to be said for that and and i think that it was clear that it, look even if coach anderson were still here he said at the end of the season there's no way this is happening That's right. next year and he didn't want that kind of situation to to ever happen again and coach jones is the same way he he wants one quarterback and as tough as the decision might end up being you know they're going to have to make a decision between lane hatcher and james blackman two very good candidates for that position and i don't think he is going to be in a big rush to make that decision and even if he's sitting there right now knowing the answer i don't know if we'll know it listen i'm telling you matt these guys and it's and i say these guys i mean mostly butch jones uh, is loving not liking he's loving how little people know about his football team i don't blame him i mean (laughs) i think most coaches envy the spot that he's in especially going into to week one and you know poor uca yeah they're they're a really good football team that's coming in here but you know, I, I don't know how the, they're going to have any idea of what they'll see on the field September the fourth. Yeah, and I actually was I was going to ask Nathan Brown from UCA this question last week, and our conversation got cut short by technical difficulties before I could. And I think we'll get to talk with him again before the game. But that's my question. I just want to know where does this rank in the toughest scouts of your career? I, I don't know imagine. how one could be harder. I can't imagine anything being tougher than that. Just the number of new players on the roster and a new coaching staff. So, and by the way, these and, and so these this coaching staff knows what they've got. And so, even when we had media day last Thursday, they they were still very intent on not giving up anything. I mean, they answered the questions, but there weren't a lot of, still there weren't a lot of questions about X's and O's or even a lot of personnel stuff. And when it did, you saw, even when we heard from the coordinators, they sort of pivoted other directions. I mean, it was clear they love the secrecy. And like I said, I don't blame them, but they're living it up. So last week, one of the things that we addressed was – you know, the number of true freshmen that have come in and already kind of caught the eye of, of everybody out at practice. And you and I 
talked about a few of them last week, and a couple of them are at the same position, that tight end slash H-back position with Seydoux Traore and Emmanuel Stevenson, and both of those young men continue to look great out there, and I, I fully expect both of them to you know, play a whole bunch uh, along with Reed Tyler at that uh, at that tight end spot this year. Yeah, I'd say you should. I mean, it's a heck of a time to be buying stock at Emmanuel Stevenson. You just watch him move around. You see his body type. He looks like he belongs right away. So there's two guys. Another young man we mentioned kind of making his mark a little bit as a true freshman is Reagan Ely, who's a walk on wide receiver from Plant City, Florida. Mm-hmm. So those were some names we mentioned last week. One name we didn't mention, a true freshman, is from right here in northeast Arkansas, and he's really starting to get on the radar. Cam Turner, uh, even if you went from one scrimmage to the next, you could see how much more Cam Turner was on the field. You know, the, the first Saturday scrimmage, you know, he was sort of down in the end threes and fours working. All of a sudden, you look up Saturday night and he was out there a whole lot more. And look, this is a kid ridiculously athletic. And, you know, just I, we, I was telling you Saturday night that, I mean, this has got a chance to end up being a steal that, that Arkansas State could get this kid to walk on. Yeah, he was a preferred walk on. Yeah. And just had an amazing high school career down down the road at Rivercrest. You know, he was their quarterback and high-powered offense. He had some other good guys with him, but I mean, he made that thing go and then, and then would turn around and play corner on defense and I mean there, there was a lot of games you would see him account for six or seven touchdowns by the time you looked at what he ran for, what he threw for, you got a pick six and he took a kick to the house. And he might do it. I mean, all that was a typical Friday night. So some other things that kind of stood out the other night, and one guy that, you know, I guess about a month or so ago started to get some talk after he came in, another transfer, and we've seen a lot of the transfers, is Denzel Blackwell, and he's a transfer from Boston College, and, you know, he's still listed as a freshman, but we saw quite a bit of him back on Saturday. Yep, and we'll sort of transition from the more you've seen of Blackwell, it kind of has helped facilitate kind of the next name on, on your list to mention the guys that it's given the ability to sort of move around a little bit on that defense. Well, because Blackwell is is another person you can put out there at corner, and, and I think we've got some good talent at that position with Leon Jones, and then Sammy Johnson is back. We're seeing more Booker Ficklin once again, who looked good late in the year last year at, at that corner position, but Jarius Romanick is somebody that you know looked to be a starter at corner, but because of, I guess, more of a need at the safety position, and heck, it may be more of his natural spot being at safety. You know, he did very first play of the scrimmage. He made a tackle behind the line of scrimmage on a run play, stretched it out, and made a stop for a loss on the first play. So, I mean, it didn't take long to see him kind of making plays at that spot. And yeah, it, it, the safety was a spot we saw him quite a bit. And then one other thing to kind of address before we close the book on the scrimmage, Coach Jones has mentioned maybe you know still toying with the offensive line a little bit and moving some guys around. And Andre Harris made mention of this on media day that he was starting to get some reps at right tackle. And he's been really good at that left guard position the last few years. But 
we saw Andre playing with that first team offense and at right tackle the other day. And Robert Holmes is another young man that has come in from Austin P, a transfer, and he's been at right tackle most of camp, but he was playing inside at that right guard position the other night. Yeah, you know, a couple of years ago, amazingly, yeah, this football team basically played five offensive linemen all season long. You certainly can't plan on that. The meeting those guys takes so to get not just the number of guys it takes, but the you know sort of those interchangeable parts where guys can go multiple places. That's uh, that is nothing but help your football team. Now we mentioned media day, and that happened this past Thursday, and you and I were able to go out there and, and visit with several of the players and. Kind of wanted to focus on a couple of the newcomers. Mm-hmm. The first we, we've already talked about today, and, and that's James Blackman. And I think there's a lot of things to take out of our conversation with James, but you know he had the choice of a lot of schools when he left Florida State. Yeah, look, uh, I know a lot of times you, you see a grad transfer, especially at that position, and you just assume that that guy's – coming to start or being told he's going to start. Uh, and I just don't think that could be the case here. I don't think you could have promised a guy a spot knowing Lane Hatcher's there. I think you could promise him the competition. So to me, it, it says a little bit about James Blackman that he would come to a place as a grad transfer that's got a guy at quarterback that's already played a lot of football. Those things come into play, but to be honest with me, man, I feel like I'm just a great competitor. I can go anywhere and make the room better, I feel like. And that's what I do. Uh, I don't really don't pay attention to what the other guys got going on. I try to help them get better as, as, as we go. But I can't start what they're doing. They can't start what I'm doing. I just focus on tearing the defense up. So James has come in, and he's tried to establish himself. And you know, one thing that we talked about, and, and James even mentioned during a, a post-practice interview that you and I were, were at here in the last couple of weeks, and I love the phrase he used. With Lane, he says, we compete, but we don't compare. And... I love that phrase, and you could tell that these guys you know, genuinely like each other, and he talked about the great relationship that he's starting to build with Lane. We compete, don't compare. Um, we know that we got to do this together, so we in the room every day together, so we just help each other get better on the field, off the field, well, however we can help each other get better, that's what we do. Uh, that's my guy. I love playing with him. I love the competition that we got with him. Um, once he do something good, I'm, I'm rooting for him, and it's vice versa once I do something good. So I'm just loving the energy and the uh, the charisma that we're building. So anytime that you have a new school to go to or even a new offensive coordinator that you're working with, in the case of James Blackman, he's worked with quite a few of them over the years. Uh, yeah. You're going to have to learn an entirely new system in a lot of cases. You know, I've actually had some of the coaches tell me, even with him, that, that part of kind of what brought him here, not just uh, the relationship party with Butch Jones, but the fact that you know, they they said this guy, this is a guy that wants to coach. So he wanted to come somewhere where he didn't know the entire staff. He wants to build his network of coaches. Uh, he's got a good network of offensive coordinators, including Walt Bell, who was his OC at one time at Florida State. Not to stay and I, for a fact, I mean, Walt Bell couldn't say enough good things about James Blackman. But so he may not compare himself to Lane Hatcher. We talked about that, but we couldn't resist to give try to compare what they're doing here offensively to what he did down in Tallahassee. Pretty similar, uh, high tempo. Uh, but in Florida State, we was more pass, 
before run, here with more run before pass. But only thing that's different is the terminology, uh, the the scheme, the concepts are all the same, same reads, but it's just a different terminology. When you get online, and I guess YouTube in particular, you're you're going to see something specifically that kind of stands out. Yeah, I mean, there's just clips of this you know young kid at Florida State taking an absolute pounding behind an offensive line that didn't do much for him. And the thing that comes out at you is that he took a beat and, and just kind of kept getting up. So the thing we wanted to ask James about that was, you know, when you do that, when you just take hit after hit, but you just keep coming, kind of how much street cred does that give you when you get back to the locker room? Oh, man, I think that just shows my grit, my courage for the game, me standing in there just believing in my uh, O-line up front. Going to have some busted plays, but at times you got to stand there as a quarterback, chin up, take one on the chin and get right back up or get ready for the next play. So James was taking – a whole lot of hits at Florida State and uh, I asked James what he thinks about the offensive line he has in front of him this year and he had nothing but good things to say. Those guys up front have have been doing a terrific job with just the adjustment and having two quarterbacks right now different cadences different styles of play those guys have been doing a great job just helping help me grow helping me uh come together with them just leading them more telling me what i'd have to do to help lead them more or what they ask of me through a communication standpoint those guys have been doing a great job now, of course that offensive line protecting for james blackman or lane hatcher or whoever the quarterback might be but uh you and I have talked quite a bit about uh, the running backs that they're going to be protecting for as well. Yeah, that's been a deep group uh, with some incumbents plus some newcomers. And, uh, you know, we've seen it in the, the practices and scrimmages we've seen. And, and James and the quarterbacks have seen the same thing, that no matter who, around, who they turn around and hand it to, that's somebody they can have some confidence in. Those guys are, are very different. Um, they have different games. You have guys that can do multiple things, can play multiple positions. Um, but that room there is very special as well. You can see the spark at practice. You can see the explosive plays that are being made. Those gr- that group is going to be very special throughout the season as well. You know, it's, it's great to have some great running backs before you, but as a quarterback, I would think that when you're checking out a program, as much as anything else, you're looking at the group of wide receivers that you're going to be working with as well, and obviously a whole lot of history just in recent years to kind of look back at, and you can see the success. Yeah, not lost on James Blackman. Uh, he was able to not just sort of uh, give lip service to it. He knew the names of the Wide receivers that had made this a very attractive place for a quarterback to come play. I always had a great receiving core from Omar Bayless, Kurt Merritt. Those guys I don't know, but I've got to know them by watching the film, the old film. And um, it, it's just flowing over to the receiver room that we got now. We got a, a room full of great guys, hard workers, competitors, and they're just ready to work. They're willing to go get it, and they're going to fight to the end. They're going to fight for each other, fight for this team, fight for this city. And those guys are ready to go. I love the room. I love the atmosphere. I love the energy that they bring, the way they run routes, the way they come out to practice. Uh, That's a very special group. And, of course, James has been around a while now and been in college football for several years. But, you know, he he takes that veteran role and asked him about some of the young guys that we referenced earlier, the true freshmen like Emmanuel Stevenson and Seydou Traore and you know how he can kind of mentor those guys and he talked about uh, you know kind of how those conversations have gone. 
Oh man, to be honest, they're making it very easy on me because they're welcome, welcoming me, helping them. Um, they want to learn, they want to get better. I mean, everything you ask of them, they're trying to do it to the highest level. And Emmanuel, he's been doing great, not being here for that long, but coming in and learning the offense, he's he's been doing a great job. And Seiru, you can just see from what he left off in the spring, he's just starting to get better and get better. He just keep going and keep grinding and keep elevating his game. So a great conversation there with James Blackman. Really enjoyed the visit and and you know really looking forward to kind of getting to know him better as, as his time at Arkansas State continues. But we had a, another young man that we sat down with, one of the other newcomers for Arkansas State, and that is defensive end Kavon Bennett. You're going to want to hear this conversation, <laughs> yeah. and it's coming up next on the Second to None podcast. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. This is the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Just uh, had a great conversation with James Blackman, and you know, I had you know some of the the comments that that he made about this program and why he came here, and it kind of echoed in a lot of ways our conversation that we had with defensive end Kavon Bennett. And Brad, this is another newcomer that you know, we're going to be calling his name a whole lot this year. Yeah, in both these cases, uh, these are guys that are sort of newcomers just geographically speaking they're guys that have played a lot of college football on big stages and and quite honestly they're guys by name that butch jones especially kevon bennett has sort of thrown out there saying this is a guy we need to be a leader of this football team there's a lot of things that you can look at as far as reasons why he came to arkansas state but the biggest reason is the head coach really him truthfully um so i didn't really know anything about this school beforehand um but just one day I was just sitting at, at home and, you know, I was just trying to figure out the process. And um, I got a call from an Ohio number and I didn't know who it was. So I didn't answer at first. And he texted me. He was like, man, this, this Coach Jones, man, call me back. So I called him right back. And he just started talking to me about, you know, just trying to get me up here and stuff. Because, of course, I had seen throughout, you know, media that he had got the head coaching job or whatever. So, but, um. I didn't really know nothing about Arkansas, um, Arkansas State at all, to be honest. Um, so, and Coach Jones came here. He just we started talking, and then you know I did some some virtual like Zoom tours with the with the whole staff, trying to see the facilities and all that. Um, so that's really how it sparked with just him calling my phone, you know. So we kept talking with Kevon Bennett about his relationship with Butch Jones and. You know, you and I kind of wanted to know what it was that separated Coach Jones from any other coach that he might talk to. Yeah, and of all the things I thought it could have been, I wasn't banking on it being a shoe game, but apparently it's a pretty big deal. Well, man, first thing about Coach is he's just a super genuine dude, and he's going to keep it real with you just out the gate. Um, I've known him since I was basically 15. You know, I'm 21 now. He's really the coach that I had the best relationship with throughout the whole time. That's why 
you know, I went to Tennessee with him, you know what I'm saying? Um, he just knows me real, real well. He knows my family. We just got a great relationship. He um, is a very truthful and honest guy, and he's also very, very well connected. And he was well connected before, but not only with him just spending his, his years after UT when he went to Bama, that just only furthered his connections. You know, he was in, in charge of the, um, basically the whole draft process when he was there. Um, you know, so his, his connections stretched just all across the country. Um, and not only with football, but Coach Jones is, is real into fashion and stuff. And I'm real into, <laughs> I'm real into fashion myself, man. Coach, man. Coach got all the Yeezys. So that took us just down an entirely different path than what we intended to with Kavon Bennett. And, you know, I brought up the fact that Kavon is not the only Red Wolf on the roster that has some fashion ties. Noradine said Nali, his uh, father, is uh, a famous French fashion designer. Uh, Kavon didn't know that, so he's going to hit hit up Noradine. to build that network for uh, a little connection. But uh, we did get Kavon to kind of talk more about his fashion expertise. I'm super into fashion. Like I design clothes. Um, so I'm working on making like my general prints. So I have like my sweatsuits and my t-shirts and all of that. But I started off just making custom one-on-one pieces. So custom jeans, dicky suits and stuff like that. What I do is so I'll buy like a base pair of jeans and then like just say I was making a pair of jeans. I'll buy I'll buy the pair of jeans. And so me, like what what I started doing is I started making stack jeans. So you buy you buy two pairs, you cut the legs off the second pair, and you gotta sew them onto the first pair. It's a whole process, but then like I paint them, you know, like I do everything by hand, you know, like it's it's real, like just super like an artistic process. And I kind of got it like I've always super been into clothes, but I got into that probably within the last year when I was in between UT and trying to figure out where my next step was. And you can sew? Yeah. Now, another big topic with Kevon Bennett and, you know, for football fans of the 1990s, they recognize that last name Bennett, his dad, Cornelius Bennett, was a huge part of those Buffalo Bills teams that went to four straight Super Bowls, and uh, Cornelius Bennett, a former All-Pro at defensive tackle for the Bills. Yeah, and, you know, Kevon clearly thinks at some point in time he should get to design an outfit that goes with a gold blazer that uh, his dad should wear on a particular night in Canton, Ohio. But it's interesting, and you and I didn't know the timeline of this, but basically – the year Kavon's born is the year Cornelius retires. So uh, his dad, as a legendary football player for him, pretty much just exists on tape and YouTube and the sort. I was born in 2000, so he um, retired. I was born in January. He retired like right after the playoffs in, in 2000. So that was his last year. So I never got to per- uh, personally witness it. But, of course, I, you know, hear the stories. You know, the, the, the records don't lie, you know. Um, he, he, he should already be in the Pro Hall of Fame. He's he's in the college one already, but, you know, he's been in the running every year. This year he made it to the semifinals. So, within the next few years, he should be in the Pro Hall of Fame. So, that's just something else that I'm looking forward to for him. I don't know. I think I might be more excited for him about it than he is, you know. Yeah, it's just it's just having that built-in knowledge of, 
of football. Like I've always felt like my football IQ was just second to none, and that's that's what really creates a great player because you have these guys that are have the athleticism, but they don't have the IQ, or they have the IQ but don't have the athleticism. I have, I feel like I have both, so I feel like that's where what creates like the the, the separation of me between other defensive ends or. Even when I was playing linebacker, you know, it's like the same thing, you know, like it's it's all about being able to recognize what they're doing before they do it. So I thought it was interesting, you know, just growing up with uh, him being the son of a, a famous football yeah. player. And you asked the question, was there a point where he, he figured out his dad was a pretty big deal? Yeah. So because it was we talked about, he didn't get the whole, you know, a lot of these kids, if you got a famous dad or I mean a professional athlete dad you're going to the field you're going to the stadium whatever the case is we talked about the timeline Kavon didn't have that so you know kind of the, the way we ask is since he didn't have that when did he know that his dad was somebody that didn't have a normal person job well, I'm trying to think whenever man anywhere really anywhere in the country but anywhere in the south especially when we kids we go out to dinner Oh, uh, biscuit! Can I can I get the autograph? Da, da, da. Can I get a picture? Uh, you know all this, all that. But um, I'll say probably the the first few memories I have. Um, I want to say it was '05. You might have to fact check me on that. But I want to say it was '05. We went to El Paso, Texas, and it was some there was some bowl game that he had played in when he played at Alabama. But I remember he got honored in that. Um, I think it was the Sun Bowl. Actually, mm-hmm. I believe yeah. um, he got honored in that. So that was one of my first memories. Then I went to Hawaii for the Pro Bowl when he was still a little younger. Um, that was probably when I was six or seven. So just little stuff like that. Just I've always just traveled around with him, and he always going to get recognized and have his honor. So I think I've always just known those Bills teams were, were great teams back in the 1990s. They never won the Super Bowl, but the fact that they were there four straight years kind of speaks about the greatness of those teams and so many famous players uh, you know, that are already in the Hall of Fame. Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reid. You know, Bruce Smith. Smith yeah. you know, Shane Talley was on that defense. Uh, Marv Levy was the coach. Marv Levy was the coach. And you know, one thing that's always stood out was how tight-knit those teams were and how they still are. And, you know, Kavan talked about just the closeness uh, of his dad's teams. Man, you know, my dad and all his teammates are super close. Him, Mr. Thurman, Mr. Jim Kelly. These are of, some big of, Yeah, you know, all of those, all those cats. They, they have a little group chat. They talk all the time, man. Um, Mr. Talley. Shane Talley, he, yeah. His, his wife, Miss Janine, everybody. Um, so everybody's still super close. Um, that's the one thing about football. It creates a brotherhood that, like, a, a bond that will never be broken. Like, your teammates, that's those will be the, the guys that your, your best man at your wedding. You know, um, when times are rough, you family issues, those are the guys that you're going to go around and they're going to – Hug on you, know what I'm saying, all of that, and just make sure that you're okay. That's that's the beauty of, of of playing football. You know, it's just that locker room aspect and just having your guys, y'all together, really more than your actual family. You know what I'm saying? Every day for hours upon hours. And a lot of times, when players are in you know situations where they have 
a family member, whether it be a sibling or a parent that's been successful. I imagine there's a certain amount of pressure involved. Uh, yeah, that. I would think there's there's pressure involved if you're going to be a defensive football player carrying around the title Cornelius Bennett's kid. That's, that, there's, that's a pretty weighty thing to be toting around if you're going to be on the defensive side of the football, especially on the defensive line. But Kavon says uh, if there's any weight attached to that, it hadn't come from his dad at all. My dad, man, that's one thing I'm blessed to say that he's never pushed me or forced me or, or been one of those overbearing parents when it comes to sports. And is that's really a blessing because you see some guys who parents – take the love away from the game for him, um, all that type stuff. But, man, he's never forced me to play any sport. I was a basketball player. Like, I really didn't start enjoying football until I got to high school. I started playing football when I was, like, 10. I was playing basketball since I was, like, 4. So he never forced me to play. Like, it was always when I was ready. And that's one thing I've always loved about my dad. And he really doesn't ever coach me unless I ask to. He He's never been a, the type to – trying to overstep the coach's boundaries or nothing like that. He's always been respectful of that, man. So that's one thing I always say that I'm blessed about with my dad. You and I kind of looked at each other, and we could have gone another <laughs> hour with Kavon Bennett. And, and why did we not? Jerry Scott. <laughs> it was all his fault. Uh, no, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I cannot wait to, to get him you know, on the air again. We can have an extended conversation. He's a great story. Whatever happened at Tennessee, you can tell it's in his past. And he, he's learned from it. He's excited, truly excited to be here at Arkansas State. And we're just talking about the character and the young man. And Butch Jones has talked about his maturity. But when you see this guy on the field, yeah. you see somebody that, that can make a really, really big impact and can transform this A-State defense this year. I can tell you, in these practices and these scrimmages, there's already been a lot of plays blown dead on his account. Quarterbacks aren't live, and so it's been way more than once they've had to blow the whistle because Kevon Bennett was getting too close. So again, I enjoyed the, the visits with the newcomers today, James Blackman and Kevon Bennett. We're going to take another quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to take a look at some other things that are happening in the world of A-State sports next on the Second to None podcast. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. This is the Second to Done podcast presented by Simmons Bank and... Man, we've been talking a whole lot about football, but mm -hmm. some other good stuff starting to happen in the world of A-State athletics. Well, you know, you've got the soccer season already underway, and um, and I hope if you're an Arkansas State fan, you know this, uh, but I'll tell you anyway, Brian Dooley has done one unbelievable job with this soccer program. I'll just be honest with you, soccer's not a sport Arkansas State's supposed to be good in. They never have until it's just hard. I mean, recently, it, it's yeah. just really hard for a lot of reasons. But that's a hard one 
to be good at, and yet Coach Dooley's gotten it done. You know, they 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 won the regular season championship. They've sort of gotten the short end of a couple of calls in the last two championship matches in the tournament. They've had to play it shorthanded, and South Alabama's edged them out because of that twice. Uh, so they've got a lot of good things going. Uh, they took a trip, the furthest trip an A-State soccer team's ever taken uh, to start the season last week. They went to Washington State on Thursday and played in front of 3,100 fans. Largest crowd in Washington State yeah. history. How about that? Uh, a ridiculously good atmosphere. And uh, Abigail Miller, who was a freshman last year, of course counts as a freshman again this year, put A-State on top about 16 minutes in. They held that lead for about 50, actually exactly 57 minutes. Uh, Washington State got it tied on a penalty kick and then uh, they played the rest of the way through in the extra time, and that's where that ended up 1-1. The hero of that game was the A-State goalkeeper and the Sunbelt preseason defensive player of the year, yep. Megan McClure. And I, I saw an interview with the Washington State head coach afterward and said the story was their goalkeeper. <laughs> that that was coming from his mouth. He, he said he was really happy with the number of shots they got on goal. She she was just that good on that particular night and he called her one of the best goalkeepers in the entire country yeah and she's gonna will continue to rewrite the record book this is a kid that came back for a super senior season uh had it not been for the fact that she split time earlier in her career with another really really good goalkeeper she'd set records that nobody'd ever touch here uh, as it stands, she's still going to rewrite the book. So is Sarah Sodoma, uh, the Offensive Player of the Year in the Sunbelt Conference, who scored the only goal of the match Saturday as the Red Wolves stayed out on the road and knocked off Eastern Washington 1-0 there. So a really good, productive trip out west for Coach Dooley and his team. Yeah, heck of a start. Two games in, a win and a tie on the road. And Certainly a challenging schedule out of the gate. They'll be on the road again at Missouri State coming up on Thursday. And then the home opener Sunday against Ole Miss, 4 o'clock the start time for that one. And Ole Miss is a team they played in the spring. Now they played Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas in their spring schedule just for this reason, just to be battle-tested. This is a team that they're not really worried about piling up meaningless wins. They want to get to the NCAA tournament, and then they want to stay there a while. And I, th- I think they're good enough to do that. The volleyball team also getting their season underway. They had an intra-squad scrimmage over the weekend, and their season actually starts at home this weekend with the A-State Invitational. Yeah, and you better catch them this weekend because it's a wild thing before they get back. You go out for the next you know, few weekends playing tournaments on the road. That's kind of the, the, the unique thing about the volleyball schedule is that the first four or five weekends of the season seem to be weekend tournaments where you go somewhere and play two or three matches. and So they get to do that at home coming up first they'll play friday at noon against ut martin and again at seven against missouri state and then they'll play wichita state saturday at two so go by and check out uh, coach restrepo and the red wolves and of course we're inside two weeks away from the a-state football season opener the first ever game for head coach butch jones at arkansas state Uh, also the home opener as uh, the red wolves get set to take on UCA on September the 4th. And there's another, since we're kind of talking other stuff, another couple things I want to mention. There's two events that aren't Arkansas State athletic events per se, but they certainly uh, involve Arkansas State. And they've been uh, two of the last three weekends, as you and I were sitting here recording, 
there was the Simmons Bank Red Wolves Classic mm-hmm. at Jonesboro Country Club. This thing is berserk. Uh, it's as big as a two-person scramble golf tournament I've ever seen. Uh, you know, eight flights worth, and just it, it's a big deal. It's a legit sporting event on the local calendar. The Simmons Bank Red Wolves Classic. Yes, it is. And then last weekend, the Rachel Stewart, another huge three-person scramble out at Sage Meadows. Both of those tournaments raise money for the A-State men's and women's golf programs. Both of those tournaments, the golf teams are out there, you know, taking an active role. And so uh, it's been big weekends for the golf program and, and doing that and the folks that help make it possible. And then it just so happens the women's coach, MJ Shaw, playing in the Rachel Stewart on Sunday, hits a hole in one. Did she really? I on didn't number know 11 at Sage Meadows. Well, I think that's fitting that she would be the one to do that. Yeah. So I'm sure she agrees with you. So <laughs> Good they, for MJ. So I wanted to mention that a lot of people put a lot of work into those, and they, they raise serious money for the golf programs to help them do things above and beyond their budget. So those are big events. Anything else you need to get off your chest this week before we get out of here? I'll do my shortest rant of the bunch so far all right let's hear it i think these uh it's, it's a fairly new phenomenon and i wish it would go away these promposals now i know we're just at the beginning of the school year so <laughs> yeah, we we're a ways off from the promposals but uh, bef- but in case we're canceled before prom season i'm gonna go ahead and get this out there promposals are stupid okay i mean i just why are we why do we take these things that it's supposed you know hopefully with a proposal you that's something ideally you'd want to do one time and you do it as an adult and it sets the scene to you being married to somebody forever and ever so why do we not why are we doing proposals first of all high school guys didn't come up with this crap and and probably high school girls didn't come up with this crap high school girls moms came up with this crap i guarantee it <laughs> i think that's probably a pretty good theory yes and then too so a high school dude if you've been if this girl's been your girlfriend for the last six seven months of school let's just pencil her in for prom i mean you can still you know you can still ask you know just to be polite but it, i don't think it takes a production or going and you know writing the word prom question mark you know decent it onto her front yard or spelling it in cupcakes or whatever other stupid crap they do why you know what you're a romantic guy, though. I, I bet that you would have come up for something big at GCT for whoever your prom day was. I'm just glad it wasn't a thing because I'm just like, I mean, really? I mean, it's the prom. I mean, just I, anyway. All right. I, I'm glad you hit that well in advance. That's right. The scratch those promposal plans now. It's been a fun episode. Again, uh, enjoyed hearing from James Blackman and Kevon Bennett and it's getting close. A-State's back in school this week, and we've got the football home opener coming up next week. Of course, we'll get you ready for the UCA game next week. For Brad, I'm Matt. You've been listening to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.